I just want to say before I start that, just to echo everything that was said, oh, I'm a bit loud, um, to echo everything that was said just when we were worshipping, I just felt a real sense that God was saying to rise up as his people, to rise up. And, you know, we are overcomers, whether you feel like that or not, we are overcomers and we're more than conquerors in Christ. So, and I know that can be quite challenging when you're not feeling very much like a conqueror. Um, but yeah, I just felt like that was really the sense of today. So, the Holy Spirit's intercessor is um, topic for today. Um, as you're all aware, we've been looking at um, the topic of the Holy Spirit. And um, I might start standing, and then I might go to sit, and I might stand again. So please bear with me. It depends what my body's doing and how I can manage that. So bear with me. Um, so how does the Holy Spirit help us with prayer? Um, when Steve asked me to speak about this, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about my own relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I think, personally, the easiest way for me to share with this, this with you is in part to share about how I personally partner with the Holy Spirit myself. So I want to say straight away, this is very much my journey, my walk, and how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. This is not you or who you need to be. You are you and I am me. The Holy Spirit will speak to you in a way that you will hear and understand for yourself. So please if at any point during this talk you find yourself comparing what I've said and your walk with mine, please remember what I've just said. You're you and I'm me, okay? The Holy Spirit speaks to us all individually. That said, I'm hoping that, um, that you will be inspired by the Holy Spirit as I talk today, and I am praying for that. So I've sat in these meetings many times and heard people stand here and say how hard they find it to pray. And I often sit there and remember the time in my life that I was very much the same. I would struggle to pray even for five minutes without my mind wandering on this or that. And um, I would struggle. Um, I'd go to prayer meetings because I felt I had to rather than because I wanted to be there. Um, only to sit in silence and try desperately hard not to nod off after a busy day at work. Um, and as for praying out loud, well, I had so many issues with my own self-confidence, my consciousness of my black country accent, um, that I certainly wasn't going to do that. Um, so then one day, I meant to bring it and I forgot, somebody recommended a book to me called The Power of a Praying Life by Stormy Emotion. I don't know if anybody's got that. Great book. Recommend it. Um, and she does a whole series of the power of a praying husband, the power of a praying wife, the power of praying for your children, the power of praying everything, um, and they're great books. They're just a great resource and a great tool to help you in your prayer life. Um, I opened the pages of this book that this person recommended me, and the first page I came across, you know, when you just flick through a book, you get a new book and you flick through anything, you know, which page, which page will I look at? And I got to page 67. And there's a prayer right at the bottom of the page which begins something like this. Dear Lord, teach me to pray. Help me to pray about not just my needs, but also the needs of others. Show me how to pray about everything. Now, just reflecting on that and thinking, be careful what you ask for. Because now I have a hard job to go to a prayer meeting and keep silent. I find myself 
praying at all times of the day, in all places, and for all sorts of different things. Different situations, different people, whatever's going on around me. In fact, the thing I now find the hardest is to actually pray for myself. Um, I do need to work on that. I can do the praying for the car park space and protection over my driving, but when it comes to the deep, meaningful stuff of my life, I confess I find that a little bit harder. Um, I have to be reminded to pray for myself. So whether praying's easy for you or something you find difficult, I think all of us have areas where we feel we do better at it than others. It's just another area of our Christian lives that we're all learning in and growing in and we're all at different places with. So wherever you're at today, with it, just know that God has more for you. More to show you, more to teach you, more for you to experience and more of more of more. I know sometimes I've heard people encouraging men and women to pair up and become prayer partners. And I know that um, having someone else to pray with in this way can give both people times of great blessing and support, spiritually and otherwise. And I did that for myself one season in my life, and that was very useful (laughs) and wonderful. But for those of you who don't have a physical prayer partner right now, which I don't, um, I want you to know you've already got one. In fact, everyone who is a born-again believer has a praying partner. Um, And you're thinking, okay, who's this? So 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We have access to the Father through his Son, Jesus. Our prayer partner when we pray to the Father is the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we have both our access in one Spirit to the Father. So if you don't know what to pray or how to pray, ask your prayer partner, Holy Spirit, to help you. He's in you. As we start to be led by the Spirit, he shows us what to pray for and who to pray for. And with regards to ourselves, who can know us better than our Heavenly Father? So by his Spirit, he can help us to pray for the things we need prayer for. This way, the Spirit goes to the Father with us and for us. I've often started to pray for someone and not known what they needed prayer for, particularly, sorry, prayer for particularly. So I've asked the Holy Spirit to show me or lead me. And before I know where I am, I'm praying for really random stuff that I hadn't even thought about. And sometimes it can be about their work situation, their family, their relationships, or just something about them having time on their own with God. Um, I remember a situation in my old church, um, before I came here, um, when I was asked to pray for a family. I didn't even have all their names, I just knew the name of the mum. And my pastor said, please would you pray for this family? There's a lot going on with them. So I okay. So I went into my, I had a God room at the time, (laughs) what I called a God room. Um, I went into my room and I started to pray. And I had a whole list of things that God started to show me about the mum the dad, the son, the daughter, list one by one. Um, So I emailed my pastor and said, this is what I've got, this sense of this boy's heavily involved with the occult and this girl's doing this and the dad's got a problem with his job and don't worry about it because it's all going to be fine, God's going to sort it all out. And I emailed them my pastor and I found out afterwards my pastor um, got the email and called his wife upstairs and said, can you come here? And she came up and said, what have you said to Amy? 
<laughs> and his, his wife was a bit bemused and said, well, nothing, I just asked her to pray. And he said, are you sure? And she said, yes, and showed her the email. And he said, everything I'd put was so accurate, they were astounded. And that's just an example of the Holy Spirit intervening and just showing you what to pray. Um, so it's just about coming before him and asking to show you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to say a word now. And just watch your reaction. What does it cause you to think when I say the word Brexit? <laughs> Number of smiles and giggles. Do you instantly groan and think, oh, no, not again? Does it cause you concern? Or do you just not care at all and wish it was all over? Um, what about the royal family? Do you think they're a waste of public money and you have no interest in them whatsoever? Or are you someone who is glued to the TV when the royal, next royal wedding comes along? Have you ever thought about your relationship with them as a Christian? I have to say at first, I had absolutely no idea at all about Brexit. Um, and I certainly wouldn't say I'm a royalist. But when I read my Bible, I come across some very interesting passages. Romans 13 verse 1 says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3 says, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. So as Christians, we are urged to pray for our government and our Queen. And it says if we do, we get a reward of a tranquil and quiet life. I could certainly do with one of those. I don't know about you. And I confess I'm not a huge fan of Theresa May. I think her dance moves leave a lot to be desired. But I really feel recently she was a reflection of Jesus. We talked about it at Academy. How hard it must have been and is currently to try and lead a whole load of people when she's been mocked and jeered in front of tens of people in the House of Commons, even those who are supposedly on her side. She's seen people reject her, seeking to oust her from a position of authority, ridicule her, and she's doing her best to try and please everybody all at once. She must have had times of feeling very lonely and isolated. And I remember thinking, goodness, if anybody needs our prayers right now, it's her. Then I was thankful that she's got a relationship with God. And she can go to him and he can give her his wisdom for the country. So I was able to pray that she would do exactly that. Because that's what we want for all our leaders of our nation. To have God's wisdom, God's plan and God's purpose for, for his nation and not man's. I was also reminded of the scripture 2 Chronicles 7.14 which says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So I spoke that out and prayed that as a nation we would humble ourselves before him so that he would heal our land. This is when it's helpful to know your Bible. 
The Holy Spirit can prompt you with scriptures to pray. Sometimes I'll take a bit of scripture at home and I'll pray over people or the church, particularly like chapters in Ephesians, very good. Um, Psalms are very good. Um, Colossians very good. Lots of bits are very good. Revelation is very good. Um, and a good option, when not knowing what to pray at all, is the Lord's Prayer. What better a prayer than one from God himself? Having mentioned Theresa May, what about the Queen? I was at a meeting recently where Gerald Coates was speaking and he was telling us that he was at the palace for something or other, I forget, on his way to a certain type of restroom and bumped into a certain member of the royal family who just happened to be somebody that you would call your majesty in the first instance and ma'am after that. He was telling us that um, they have a weekly prayer meeting with the majesty in the palace with church leaders and they all pray together. And they worship in the spirit and speak in tongues. I can't quite imagine the Queen speaking in tongues, but apparently she does. Um, And I just found that really encouraging. Um, I was then able to pray that she would continue to serve our country in the best way that she can to honour our Heavenly Father. And that she would be blessed with the ability to serve him in the ways that she can during her reign. Not the longest prayers, but prayers nonetheless, and just as effective and powerful. Which brings me on to my next point. Do you ever feel that your prayers are not good enough? You feel the words just don't seem right, or you aren't as eloquent as others, or you just can't seem to pray more than a few words at a time, or you can't seem to get the subject right. I want to let you know you don't need to be concerned about that. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans 8.26, which I'll come to again shortly, that the Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit interprets what is going on in our heart. So regardless of what words we use, it's the heart response that the Holy Spirit uses in interpreting those prayers up to our Father that straightens them all out and makes them perfect. It's a bit like running a spell checker through a document before you send it. The words are all there, it's just they're fine-tuned for the reader. In the same way, your words formulate the prayers, but God knows your heart. We know this from 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In the same way then, don't be concerned about how your prayers are heard by man. God sees your heart. I have occasions when I'm driving and I'll see an accident in front of me, normally a serious one or I'll hear about a serious one in proximity to me. My immediate response is to pray that whoever's involved in the accident doesn't die unless they know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. I ask God to make himself known to them in that moment if they don't know him already. Then I pray about injuries and loved ones, etc., etc. And that's because my heart is that people come to know God. I wouldn't say that my natural gift is evangelism, but my heart is very much a heart for people to be saved and to know him. And that's because how I know him and what he's done for me in my life. And it's because of this knowing of God myself and his work in my life that my desire is to pray for others to know him too. So what I've already shared with you are basically examples of the way the Holy Spirit prompts me to pray. There's lots of different ways the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray. Have you ever had times you just feel compelled to call someone for no apparent reason or just drop by someone's house on your way home when you never intended it? only to to discover that you called them or visited them at their very hour of need. Well, it's exactly the same in prayer. 
These promptings are the Holy Spirit's way of getting you to intercede for people or circumstances or situations. It's just that unlike the answer of the door or the telephone, you might not know the outcome. In these times, I hold on to the thought of Revelation 5.8, which tells us that 24 elders each hold a golden bowl full of the prayers of the saints. That's us. That's you and me. Our prayers are sent to heaven and they're valued. They're not thrown away or wasted. So what do we do when we feel we can't pray at all? And I was thinking about this when we were worshipping. When there's an atmosphere of joyful triumph going on in the room, when we're worshipping and God's on the throne and it's all wonderful, is great when you feel happy and everything's going grand and well and lovely and dandy in your life. But when you're going through really difficult stuff, it's really hard to be in that same moment, that same frame of mind. And sometimes life can be very hard. We experience loss, financial difficulties, sickness, family problems. We all know them. God never promised an easy life being a Christian. Far from it. We're told in this world we'll have trouble, but to take heart because he's overcome the world. This passage in John 16 also starts with, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. For me, this is where I experience the Holy Spirit most powerfully. In the times when you have that major problem, major concern that maybe no one else knows about but you, and you pour it out to God, you give it to him, and then you experience this inner peace, which is totally unexplainable. I've had a situation myself for a number of months with a close family member. They're suffering from depression, and a number of times it's got so bad that they've wanted to take their own life. And they've told me that on the phone. And I've cried out to God so powerfully in those times for that person, I can't even begin to tell you. Some of the ladies in my life group at the time knew how bad it was, and some people around me couldn't understand why I was so peaceful about it. I had people say to me, don't you care? Don't you love this person? You're so calm about it all. And actually, this person is the one I love most on this earth. This person is the one who means the absolute world to me. But it's because I was able to pray and give this situation and this person to God that I was able to walk in peace. And yes, I can't explain that, but I just knew things were going to be okay and they were going to be okay. And at the moment, they're doing great. I knew God was watching over them and keeping them safe. Equally, that peace that the Holy Spirit gives is a witness to those around us as well, as enabling us to be at peace in those times of trial. Interestingly, when I took it back and I started to worry about it, I started to get all concerned and fretful and anxious, and the peace went. That's when I needed reminded, reminding, give it back to God. I want to remind you today, if you've taken back something that you've given to God once in prayer, because we do it all the time, give it back to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What about times when it feels even too hard to do that? To pray, to give it all to God. The times when the heartbreak is so bad, it literally feels like your heart is breaking and you have no words and all you can muster up are heart-breaking sobs. I've been there too, very recently, a couple of months ago. And all I could do was sob. Heart-breaking sobs. Romans 8, 25 to 27 says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. It says here we don't, have, we don't have the words the Holy Spirit groans with us when we don't have them. In those times of great pain, when we don't have words and it's a painful groan, God still hears. In Exodus 2, 23-25, it says, Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and the cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. What's also good about the passage is Romans, in Romans is that in our groanings, it says the Spirit intercedes in accordance with the will of God. I am personally so grateful for that. I don't know about you, but I know in my deepest, hardest, painful moments, my groanings and prayers that I've prayed at the time went unanswered. Sometimes it's a great blessing to have prayers unanswered because they were not the will of God. I'm sure some of you can reflect on a time when you've prayed for something and God didn't give it, only to look back a few months or years later and say, do you know what, God? I'm really glad you didn't answer that prayer at that time. Sounds familiar. In these times of great pain is the time I'm most thankful for having the gift of speaking in tongues. When I run out of words, my spirit takes over. With the Holy Spirit, I can use my gift of tongues to help me. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.7 that we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. I want to encourage you, if you don't yet have the gift of speaking in tongues, and you'd like to, please come at the end and get someone to pray for you. God desires that you have it and wants to give it to you. And it comes in very useful when you run out of words. Ephesians 6.18 tells us, after putting on the whole armour of God, that we, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. This verse encourages us to pray in the Spirit at all times, being alert always. That means all day, every day. In your daily lives, at work, as you drive, go shopping, etc., etc. Which reminds me of an instance, instance recently. I was shopping in Sainsbury's, as you do, and I heard a parent shouting at a child. They were saying some really, really unpleasant things, which I'm not going to repeat because they were so awful. But I was just grateful in that moment I was able to silently say, 
thank you, God, that I'm here right now, that I heard that because now I'm able to pray for that child. And I broke the power of all the wrong stuff that was spoken over him. I prayed that he'd grow up knowing that he was loved and valued by God and that God would protect him from any future negative words spoken over him. That's just one example of how we can be alert and prayerful. They've got no idea what I did, but I know God heard my prayers and I trust that he's going to answer them. That passage in Ephesians actually tells us to petition for all the saints. When you read that, what does that mean to you? Thank you. Do you think immediately of your Christian blood family, if you have one? Your life group? All of us as River Church. New ground family, we've heard about this morning. We're encouraged to pray for all the saints. There's something about strength in numbers that I don't quite understand. But I do know from experience that I've prayed for something on my own and I've seen nothing change. I get a few others to pray with me and things start to change. I don't understand why that happens, but it does. Equally, I've had my own prayers answered without anyone praying with me. I just know that there's a reason God made us as a body and to be in relationship with each other and to help and support each other, which includes prayer. And we see it throughout the Bible. Joel 1.14 says, Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Acts 12.12 And when he realised this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And other examples too long to read, such as Daniel 9, 3 to 21, Nehemiah 9, 1 to 38, Jonah 3, 1 to 10, various places in Acts and many more. Go look them up. <laughs> I mentioned a popular verse of scripture earlier of 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's one of my favourite scriptures. There's something incredible about being in relationship together. For me, I love being in my life group. I get to journey with some incredible women of God and I love seeing how each one of us is growing in our faith together. We often share our struggles, our heartaches and our joys. We have prayed for each other for so many things and the miracles that we, can, we have seen God do has been amazing. As we have shared and watched God answer them one by one, we've each come to a deeper understanding of who God is, how his timing is perfect, and how sometimes he wants to teach us things as we go through things. Our faith has been built up and we've learnt to stand together, learnt how to help each other, and like any family, love each other and forgive each other when we get it wrong. Being able to pray together in such a way is a huge privilege. And I know sometimes I've shared things on a Sunday when God felt God lead me to, And people have asked me to pray for them. It's such a joy to be able to stand with each other and support each other. And one of the things, I don't know about you, but it's a blessing, but sometimes not such a great blessing, is WhatsApp. It can be great, but can be equally annoying in both measures. It's great to be able to just flick out a prayer request um, and just say, please will you pray about this? And we have lots of WhatsApp groups for lots of things, and it's great to be able to do that and have that ability to do that. I just want to encourage you, next time someone shares something with you, you know, maybe you see somebody on Sunday, you have a chat, how are you, how's things going? It's great to listen and care for them, 
But don't just leave the conversation there. Ask them at the end if you can pray for them. I've had times when people have done this, that with me, and they haven't prayed for me, they've just listened. And the time I felt the most cared for and the most encouraged was the time someone took that few minutes just to pray for me. It made me think, actually, when I wrote this, how often do we randomly go up to Steve and Rob and their wives and just pray for them? We're supposed to pray for our leaders and those in authority, and they need God's wisdom and direction. Now, please don't all swamp them at the end of the meeting. Um, I know this is something, in terms of praying for them, you might do privately, like I do, um, but it would be good to encourage them once in a while too, because they need it. They might not say that, but they need it. We all need to be encouraged. So be reassured, Steve and Rob, as a life group, we pray for you. And I'm sure other life groups pray for you too, in the same way. Um, In the same way, I'm sure other life groups have got stories of how God's moved in their lives and how their faith has been built up by seeing prayer answered. So I want to encourage you, if anybody's here and they're not in a life group, go and get in one. You're seriously missing out. Yes, it can be challenging. Yes, it can be difficult. But the rewards far outweigh all of that. I can honestly say, I have never loved a group of women so much as I love the women in my life group. Like, God's given me such a love for them all. Like, I really do care for them and love them. They're amazing sisters. We're all broken in our life group, but God's doing some amazing works of healing in each one of us. And it's such a joy to watch and be a part of. And it's a real blessing to me. But it's not just our life group that needs healing. Church, Alan needs healing. In this country alone, our government is in a crisis. You don't even need to watch the news to see that. In addition, there's numerous reports of in-house bullying, deception and fraud in our government. Rough sleeping in England increases annually, and it was reported in October that at least 440 homeless people die each year. In 2017, nearly 6,000 people in the UK committed suicide. 75% of those were male, and it's the biggest cause of male death in the UK. A fifth of 14-year-olds self-harm. One in five teenage girls have been assaulted by their boyfriends. One in four women experience domestic abuse in their lifetime. This is just the UK. I haven't even mentioned the persecution of Christians in other countries. Her families are being torn apart if they follow Christ. Women are abused, men tortured. And people of all ages, and I'm talking all ages, babies, two, three, five-year-olds, to 90-year-olds, all ages are killed. Church, we need to wake up. Our nation needs our prayers. Our nation needs God's intervention, and our nation needs Jesus. I thank God that no matter what is going on in the world, he is still God. He is still on the throne, and he's still overcome all the power of the enemy. And he's still able to do far more than we can ever ask or think or imagine. The amazing thing is, he wants us to do it with him. Remember what I said at the beginning, the Holy Spirit is our prayer partner. He helps us with how to pray, what to pray, and when to pray. Let's all start to partner better with the Holy Spirit today and see what God does. And we can start today. I look forward to seeing you all at the prayer meeting tonight, 7pm, in the Rio Lounge. If you haven't been before, why not start now? Today is a day of opportunities, and it's your opportunity to make a difference to this world I've just told you about with all these problems. Let's be an army for God who makes a difference in our church, 
our community and our nation. Finally, I'd like to end with this quote from Terry Virgo. Is prayer something that you could describe your church being devoted to? That's a funny word, isn't it? Devoted. Are you devoted to prayer? Learning to pray together involves listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to one another, endorsing one another's prayers and entering into them, rather than simply waiting your turn to, take a, to bring a contribution. Corporate prayer can lead to corporate faith. And that makes it really exciting. <laughs>